thanks be to God for music and singing that inspires our worship. Amen. We continue today with the Word of the Week sermon series, and today's word is choose. It's another word that came from one of your suggestions to us, and this word choose is an interesting verb that we interact with on a daily basis. From the clothes that we put on to the people we see, the ability to choose is a privilege. We make choices every day that end up communicating what we are about in this world. Whether big or small, the choices we make define who we are and whose we are. Some choices are easy to make, while others take a lot of time and consideration. Choosing what to eat for lunch, for example, does not carry the same weight as perhaps choosing a job that may cause your family to move across the country. And I'm sure that if we sat down and talked, each of us would have different methods for how we make difficult decisions. But whatever the method, the cost of each choice would definitely be a factor in how we choose. In the 2003 film, Pirates of the Caribbean, the protagonist, Will Turner, has a choice to make. The girl he loves, Elizabeth Swan, has been kidnapped by pirates, and he wants to rescue her. But Will is also an honorable man. He's a blacksmith and an upstanding citizen, and until this point in his life, he has never broken the law or even a rule. However, desperate times call for desperate measures. Because he is up against a crew of pirates, he enlists the help of another pirate, Jack Sparrow, for his quest. Jack promises that if Will gets him out of prison, he will help Will find the crew that took Elizabeth and help to rescue her. After agreeing to the terms of their arrangement, Jack and Will decide to steal a ship from the Navy in order to pursue the pirate ship. And just before they are about to board the ship and confront the Navy, Jack turns to Will and says, One question about your business, boy, or there's no use going. This girl, how far are you willing to go to save her? Will doesn't miss a beat. He immediately answers, I would die for her. Jack then replies, Oh, good. No worries, then. This scene is a small one in the grand scheme of the movie, but it has a profound meaning. In order to rescue the love of his life, Will and Jack will have to steal a ship from the Navy, sail across open ocean, track down a ship full of unforgiving, violent pirates, and somehow confront all of them in order to rescue Elizabeth. There are a number of risks, including death itself. Therefore, this scene is critical to demonstrate how important Will's choice is. He has to ask himself if his love is genuine enough that he is willing to pay the price of death if he chooses to risk this rescue attempt. For Will, this is the point of no return. 
The passage we're going to read today from the Gospel of Luke could also be another point of no return. Jesus is again on the road to Jerusalem, and he already knows that there is no turning back for him. But the question is, do his followers understand that? His words to the crowd here are similar to those words that Jack and Will shared. If you choose to follow me, do you know what it will cost? And is the cost something you are willing to pay? As one scholar puts it, this passage is the fine print of what we are getting if we sign up for discipleship. We cannot call ourselves disciples and then, at the first sign of trouble, claim we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. So let's keep this context in mind as we listen for the word of the Lord from Luke, chapter 14, verses 25 through 33. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's interesting to note that the word cost only appears one time in the entire New Testament. It's in this passage. Cost is anything that we give up in order to acquire, accomplish, or produce something. And the question being asked in this passage is if we choose discipleship, what may it cost us? According to Jesus, the answer is a lot. In fact, this passage can be overwhelming because the language used is so strong. If we examine the verses closer, we see a pattern emerging in Jesus' words. Whoever does not dot, 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 cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not hate the people who matter the most to them cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not give up everything they have cannot be my disciple. At a first glance, these words are intimidating and disparaging. What does Jesus mean by all of this? Is he trying to talk us out of choosing to follow him? Actually, Jesus uses such strong language because he's trying to help us realize two things. The cost 
of choosing to follow him, and how to prioritize our lives in light of that choice. Jesus wants the crowds to carefully consider the cost of the call to discipleship before they follow. But what about when the crowds are told they have to hate their family? How does that make sense coming from the one who embodies the love of God? The one who also says that the greatest commandments are to love God and love one another. One way to understand is to see that the word hate here is being used as a hyperbole. It doesn't mean that we have to despise or reject or wish harm to our family, like the modern meaning of the word hate suggests. Rather, Jesus is challenging those who are listening to have a singular commitment to him and to God's kingdom before all others. In a culture and a time where one's family could be the largest determining factor in a person's identity or social status, telling the crowd that they have to detach themselves from their family would have woken people up. Even today in our country, especially during an election year, we see that candidates are not examined only as individuals. We dissect their entire family to make sure that their values are wholesome or up to certain standards. Family still matters a great deal in defining who we are to the greater community. And Christ is saying that if we choose the path of discipleship, our families should also include new relationships with those who are also committed to Christ. The understanding of the word hate here means that we need to detach ourselves enough from our comfortable close friends and family to realize that Christ and all who follow him are also that family. Which means that each and every day we continue to follow Christ, we need to choose to include those who we may never have looked at as family before. And what about the fact that Jesus tells the crowd they have to give up everything they own to follow him? Does this mean that if we choose possessions, that we cannot also be disciples? As one scholar puts it, this simply means that disciples should be able to travel light. This is not a literal command to get rid of everything you own. Instead, it means to not let ourselves be encumbered by possessions to the point where they come into conflict with following Christ. After all, the more possessions that we have, the more we have to make decisions about what gets priority. And our gospel lesson is telling us today that Jesus is the sorting principle by which we prioritize everything else. When we choose discipleship, Jesus should be our true north. Therefore, everything we do on a daily basis should be radically shifted towards the ethics of Christ, regardless of the cost. And we are warned that carrying the cross is a heavy cost. For the crowds following Jesus, as well as for us, this could be a point of no return. This is the moment in any movie where the hero has to choose between playing it safe 
or risking his or her life in order to accomplish something magnificent. Carrying the cross is the reason why the decision to discipleship cannot be done on impulse. The cross looms before Jesus as he travels, and he knows that it also emerges before his followers. If we are to be disciples, then our choices demand deep reflection and contemplation. I wonder if any of you remember those bracelets that came very popular in the early 90s that said, WWJD, what would Jesus do? I think I had about 20 of them in all different colors. And as cheesy as that phrase has become over the past couple of decades, it's still a question that we have to keep asking ourselves when we choose how to live in this world. Because ultimately, friends, discipleship is not a one-time decision. It's instead something we choose each and every day we wake up. Being faithful followers of Christ is a constant choosing in everything that we do. When we encounter people, how do we choose to treat them? When something goes wrong, when, not if, something goes wrong, how do we choose to react or respond? When we witness injustice in the community we live in or the world, how do we choose to confront it? Even though our passage leans heavily on the cost of our choice to discipleship, that doesn't mean that we should base our decision off of fear. Nelson Mandela said, May your choices reflect your hopes, not your fears. And friends, the gospel is also full of hope. Although Jesus is taking the time to alert us to the fine print of the cost of choosing discipleship, our decision to follow should also come from the hope that we have for a life with Christ, rather than based on the fear of the cross. Scholar Rodney Sadler wrote, We must be willing to endure these consequences if we ever hope to experience the promised rewards of following Jesus' way. Friends, once we choose to follow Christ, all other decisions will be redefined through that lens. Every choice, whether big or small, will continue to mold our identities as disciples of Christ. This is why the verb choose matters so much. Our choices make up our identity, and if we stop choosing Christ, even in the smallest things, who are we claiming we are? Perhaps you have seen the movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. One of the last scenes in the movie depicts Indiana Jones in a room surrounded by chalices, one of which is the Holy Grail, the cup that Jesus drank from at the Last Supper. If Indiana chooses the correct chalice, then whoever drinks from it will have life. If he chooses the wrong cup, Whoever drinks from it will die. Indiana wants to choose correctly because his father is dying, and he wants to save his life by letting him drink from the Holy Grail. But how does he choose? There is a knight in the room with him who guards the Grail, and his only advice to Indiana is 
Choose wisely. But there are many cups, some of which are silver and gold, covered in precious jewels and intricate enamel designs. Many of these cups would be highly valuable and worth a lot of money. Then there is one made out of wood. It's a simple shape with no decoration of any kind on it. It doesn't really make sense to choose the most simple and plain cup, yet this is the one that Indiana chooses. And as it turns out, he chose correctly. He is able to let his father drink from it, and his father is made well. Like any journey or quest, discipleship requires constant choosing. Making the choice to follow Christ one time, one day, does not constitute our entire faith journey. Rather, that decision informs all of our other choices. The common phrase, choose wisely, certainly conveys the weight of our choices. However, I would also add, we must choose faithfully. And these choices may not make sense to the world around us, like choosing to give away our money when we could keep it all for ourselves, or choosing to wake up early on our day off of work to go to worship, choosing to believe in a God that we have never seen with our own eyes, or choosing to sit in silence and stillness and pray for people we may never meet. None of these choices may make any sense. But when Christ is our true north, the direction by which all other paths are charted, our choices can become clearer. As we face this journey together, let us continue to choose faithfully through our hope in Christ together. Let us pray. Creator God, you have gifted us with the ability to choose. As we live out our days in your creation, help us to choose faithfully the path you call us to and give us courage to constantly choose Christ above all else. Amen.